Hello and welcome to JP Morgan Markets at Any Rate podcast. I'm Meera Chandan, co-head of the FX Strategy team. And today I'm joined by Patrick Locke in the FX Strategy team in New York. Now, it's been an incredible week in macro markets. Uh, FX has been no exception. Uh, we've had seismic moves both in rates and FX. Uh, and in many ways, it has been a, st- a perfect storm that has brewed. Uh, we've had uh, growth stabilizing outside the U.S. We've had uh, talks of potential easing in China, COVID restrictions, uh, anticipation of, of Fed slowing its um, pace of hikes. And then, of course, the soft CPI print, which is the final nail in the coffin uh, for the dollar. So it all really came together this week. Uh, let's start uh, with you, Patrick. How are you processing uh, the recent dollar weakening, and what is the preferred uh, tactical strategy here that you're recommending? Sure, Amira, thanks. Um, you know, we've been steadfastly bullish on the dollar uh, throughout much of this year. Any dollar dips, you know, we tended to buy, uh, and that's been, you know, a pretty good strategy for us uh, throughout most of the year. I think, you know, for the rest of the year, uh, that kind of strategy is going to be a little bit more, you know, a little bit trickier Dollar is definitely, you know, prone to some upcoming consolidation and potentially about of, you know, um, some near-term tactical weakness. Um, you know, on the one hand, we had been monitoring certain developments like, you know, moderating global growth momentum as proxied by kind of a stabilization in our global economists FRIs. That was kind of one headwind uh, to tactical dollar longs. Um, we we tried to see through that um, on the back of what was last week, a pretty hawkish FOMC press conference uh, from Chair Powell. Um, but certainly that was upended this week after the CPI uh, and raises the specter that, you know, the dollar is going to be facing tactical headwinds, potentially both from, um, you know, a moderation of downside surprises in global growth, but also, you know, some pretty dramatic repricing of, uh, of U.S. rates. So um, some of the tactical headwinds to the dollar um, are certainly seemingly mounting, uh, and given, um, you know, kind of one-sided dollar positioning throughout much of this year, arguably valuation to some degree as well, um, one could argue that, you know, it could be pretty pretty choppy or pretty tactical for the dollar through the rest of the fourth quarter. Consistent with that, I would also highlight that um, we found that dollar correlations, inter-G10 dollar pair correlations, um, are basically at exceptionally high levels, uh, which basically means that you know, A, it's kind of just a singular trade right now, what the dollar direction is doing, and B, that it kind of limits, um, you know, it limits the intra-dollar pair um, variability. Um, so there isn't right now, uh, frankly, a lot of differentiation between euro-dollar moves and cable moves, for example. So that kind of adds uh, to this idea that at least in a tactical sense, um, you know, the dollar moves could be pretty choppy and they could be pretty large given that, um, you know, for the time being, all G10 currencies are swinging kind of one way at the same time um, against the dollar. So, but I think, you know, more broadly speaking and further out, um, we're quite reluctant to embrace kind of a secular multi-quarter dollar trend uh, to the downside. Uh, we think, you know, the medium term pillars are still generally there. Um, and so with that, maybe I'll, I'll pass it over to you, Mir, to talk about more about the medium term outlook. Um, you've done some work on kind of what the anatomy um, of Fed hiking cycles look like, you know, for the dollar as we, as the end of this hiking cycle comes, you know, within sight. So uh, why don't you uh, share with us what you found? Sure. Thanks, Patrick. 
Uh, so the first thing, uh, you know, as we're considering the medium term outlook for the dollar um, is to just acknowledge that macro uncertainty is exceptionally high right now. Uh, if you take a look at the range in the dispersion in economist forecasts, you see that there's a huge range of base case outcomes and the dispersion there uh, is the widest that we've seen uh, since the uh, 1970s. That's both if you take into account the growth and the inflation forecasts as well. So I think you know it's it's premature and you can't really read too much away from a single U.S. Um, CPI print. And you know I just want to highlight that we saw this back in August when you got a similarly soft CPI, uh, and and the dollar went right back up uh, in the subsequent weeks. Now clearly we are we're closer to effect slowdowns. So in that sense, um, uh, you know this is a bit of a different regime. But I think it's really good to have that context that the dollar strength in the past year has not always coincided. Uh, with the U.S. rates going up, um, and it depends on other factors as well. Um, and I, as I'm thinking about the medium-term sources of support for the dollar, I think, um, to me, uh, aside from the macro uncertainty, I would say that the dollar um, carry itself is actually quite attractive. The dollar currently yields more than 55% of the global currencies out there. Um, you know, and, and while global growth momentum has neutralized, as you've been indicating, and that's been really more of a tactical thing that we're watching, I think more medium term, it's just important to acknowledge that it's not really quite uh, out of the woods yet, and we're still on a very fragile footing. So all of those things are keeping us quite cautious at the moment, and uh, and sort of uh, thinking that the durability of the broad dollar sell-off is actually quite uh, fragile. Now, as far as prior Fed pauses are concerned, look, it's um, it's always instructive to see what happened in prior hiking cycles. But clearly, um, this you know, if you compare it to the last four hiking cycles, it's not uh, it's not really an apples to apples comparison because um, the growth and in inflation mix of what we've seen in the past. Um, two or three decades is very different from what we're seeing at the moment. Um, but I'd say that, uh, you know, if you kind of take a look very narrowly, uh, what you tend to see is, uh, uh, I think that uh, the ultimate takeaway here is that the growth and inflation surprise mix really does matter on what kind of dollar strength you're going to get. So what I mean by that, as an example, is if you take a look at the dollar performance around the last four uh, had uh, Fed hiking cycles as they came to an end. Uh, it was not that consistent. You know, dollar did strengthen uh, going into the last hike, but the outcome and the magnitude of that strengthening depending on the global growth outcomes. Uh, but regardless of what that growth outcome was, one consistent conclusion or one consistent pattern you saw uh, through those uh, last, uh, the end of Fed hiking cycles was that U.S. Uh, rates, in particular the 10-year part of the curve, regardless of the growth outcome, ended up declining quite a bit. So I think as we're thinking about um, this, you know, if you're thinking of a scenario in which actually the inflation in the US is coming off and growth is slowing and the Fed is actually coming towards an end to its hiking cycle, then I think interest rate sensitive currencies like the Japanese yen are more most at risk of rebound and, and strengthening from here. The flip side of it is if you go back to the 1970s where you actually saw Fed hiking cycles come to a pause, but that pause proved to be very short-lived because inflation was just more persistent. And in those types of scenarios, actually dollar strength continued in full force. So I think the growth inflation mix will uh, matter a fair bit. Um, at the moment, the two things that we're keeping an eye on firstly are uh, that uh, that uh, the higher, uh, that the odds of a U.S. recession are actually very high. Uh, they're the highest um, uh, that they've ever been 
uh, before the Fed hikes are even completed. You have to go back to the 1970s to see odds of a U.S. recession so high before the Fed hikes uh, are done. So that's one thing that that is keeping us cautious, particularly for high beta currencies, which are very growth sensitive. And the second issue, and we're emphasizing that a little bit more, is really if in the near term the market is focusing more on peak um, you know, Fed pricing having been breached, and I, I still think the jury's out on that one. But certainly in the near term, that's what the momentum seems to be like. Then the Japanese yen is uh, is really what is uh, prime for reversal. So the composition matters a fair bit, and that's what I would be focusing on uh, over the medium term. So Pat, let me turn it back to you. Uh, I'd say aside from the dollar uh, that we've already discussed, both tactically and medium term, are there any other themes that you think clients could focus on that are actually tradable in this highly volatile environment? Yeah, so um, stepping away from the dollar, I mean, I think cross yen certainly looks interesting right now. You know, we had a phenomenal risk rally on the back of the CPI print, and yet, nevertheless, yen was actually our, our performer, which of course, by historical standards is, is surprising, but at the same time is consistent with this year's long, long-going equity sell-off, but, um, you know, yen's worst in class G10 uh, performance trading up to about 150 uh, at one point this year. So um, realistically, I think there's probably room for that to run. Um, and importantly, I think you could see yen outperformance in a couple of scenarios, um, so long as yields are actually moving down. Um, like this week, if yields continue to trade lower um, and that boosts kind of risk rallies, um, I think you could still see cat, uh, you know cross yen perform to the downside as the yield beta for yen positions overwhelm kind of the impulse from, from risk from risk markets. On the other hand, as we get into kind of, you know, if we if we get into later stage, um, you know, recessionary kind of trading environments where yields also trace lower, but risk moves lower, uh, then that too I would expect to be uh, fairly positive for uh, or fairly negative for cross yen positions. Um, whereas on the other hand, dollar yen's a little bit more ambiguous in that latter case. So I think if you're thinking about these two, like the tactical and the medium term strategic scenarios, um, if your bias is that yields are ultimately going lower, I think cross yen uh, is a viable um, a viable position there. Um, and then separately, we're also keeping an eye on uh, rhetoric coming out of the SMB this week, a little bit more hawkish than had been the case um, in recent weeks. They had an inflation disappointment recently kind of took some of the wind out of Swiss's sails after its uh, pretty incredible run um, in Euro-Swiss down to the mid-90s. Uh, so I think after that bounce, um, you know, these are pretty decent levels for Euro-Swiss and, you know, a timely reminder from the SMB that their kind of structural shift in terms of monetary policy and currency policy management, um, you know, that's still in train. Um, and so I think, you know, at these levels, uh, Swiss is relatively attractive and, you know, not surprisingly, um, you know, Swiss did not underperform uh, despite the risk rally this week. So um, certainly think there's a, there's scope for Swiss to, to outperform in kind of the near term here. Thanks, Pat, for that. So to conclude, still cautious and shying away from chasing uh, the bearish dollar theme. Uh, I'd say on a more uh, niche basis, uh, getting more constructive on the Japanese yen particularly versus high beta currencies. Uh, so think about uh, currencies like CAD and uh, New Zealand uh, underperforming uh, the Japanese yen. Uh, and then finally, uh, looking for Euro-Swiss to resume its, uh, its uh, trend lower as well. 
please take a look at our research reports on jpmm.com if you need more information. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on November 11th, 2022.